Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unchained, your no-hype resource for all things crypto. I'm your host, Laura Shin, a journalist with over two decades of experience. I started covering crypto six years ago, and as a senior editor at Forbes, was the first mainstream media reporter to cover cryptocurrency full-time. Follow Unchained on Twitter at Unchained underscore pod, where you can find all sorts of content ranging from my weekly newsletter to updates on my upcoming book and a whole lot more. Today's episode is a panel I moderated for Amber Group on Power Women in Crypto. The four speakers are executives in crypto who are happy to discuss the role of gender in the industry, what explanations are most effective for bringing in women, good hiring practices for bringing more women into the industry, and more. Panelists include Mia Deng, a partner at Dragonfly Capital, Amy Zhang, Vice President of Sales at Fireblocks, Alexis Gauba, Founder at Open, and Annabelle Huang, Partner at Amber Group. For those of you watching on video, you may notice we're all wearing white. The organizers asked us to wear white as a symbol of inclusiveness across traditional finance and crypto. No matter where you're listening, this panel was an extremely interesting discussion on a subject that many women in the industry speak about privately, but not openly. I hope you enjoy it. Now on to the show. Today's episode is sponsored by EY Blockchain. Ernst & Young is committed to supporting integration of the world's business ecosystems on the public Ethereum blockchain. The Crypto.com app lets you buy, earn, and spend crypto all in one place. Earn up to 8.5% interest on your Bitcoin and 14% interest on your stablecoins, paid weekly. Download the Crypto.com app and get $25 with the code LAURA. The link is in the description. Kuiper's Dynamic Market Maker, DMM, is the first DeFi protocol designed to adapt to market conditions to optimize fees, maximize returns, and enable extremely high capital efficiency for liquidity providers. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this panel put on by the Amber Group, Power Women of the Next Generation, from Traditional Finance to Crypto. We have four different panelists here, and we're going to start with each of them telling I saw how we got into crypto and what their company does and what it is that they do. And Amy Zhang, why don't we start with Great. you? Great. Well, hi, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm super excited to, to share about our experiences and talk about, you know, women in crypto. Um, no, my name's Amy. I run sales for Fireblocks in Asia. Fireblocks is a technology company that provide secure digital asset transfer infrastructure and custom infrastructure for um, you know, over 250 clients from crypto hedge funds to OTC desks to exchanges. You know, most recently we were a um, technology provider vendor selected for some of the larger banks in the industry as well. Um, so really the, my goal at Fireblock is to drive revenue um, for us in the APAC region, establish relationships with partners and deliver products to allow them to continue to uh, build a bigger business in the digital asset space. Before Fireblocks, I um, ran sales for a company called Diginex. That was my first role in uh, crypto. 
uh, starting in 2018 and, you know, late 2017, 2018. And at DGNX, I helped them to grow their exchange trading, custody, fund-to-funds business. Uh, Prior to that, and my foreign to crypto, uh, I will used to be a a sales trader at Deutsche Bank, where I serviced um, institutional clients, right? And really my kind of move and foray into crypto um, started when I was at Deutsche and then looked at, you know, my colleagues and, you know, looked at where they were. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, I didn't want to be any of them 10 years from now. Um, so I went out and ventured out into looking for new opportunities and, and crypto became, um, one of the industries that we draw my attention. So, and the rest is history. Great. And we also have Annabelle Huang. Yeah, sure. I'm very, again, very happy to be here as well. And, um, being able to chat with, a lot of my old friends, I knew Amy uh, from Deutsche Bank, who were the same year analyst, and also Mia, who was at Amber, and now uh, one of our, our investors. So, And then a lot of the, the new friends I've made. Um, so very glad to be here with you guys. Um, hi, I, my name is Annabelle Huang. I am a partner at Amber Group. We're a global leading crypto finance service provider, servicing institutional and individual clients globally. We help our clients buy and sell crypto. Um, if they have borrow lending needs, um, they have asset management needs in crypto. Uh, we help them across basically uh, all of the f- crypto finance needs. Uh, we service a lot of the crypto native funds and, and institutions, as well as a lot of the people who are new to crypto, especially after this full cycle this year. So it's uh, been a very fun ride. Before Amber, I was um, at AirSwap. It's a decentralized exchange built on Ethereum. And that, that was my first foray in, into crypto. Um, that was in 2018. Um, I, I was at Nomura, um, where similar to Deutsche, I was doing FX and rates structuring related roles. And um, that's where I met uh, a few of my Carnegie Mellon alums in New York. And they were telling me about this decentralized finance and and how we're able to uh, really automate a lot of the processes that we've seen in tr- traditional finance into a smart contract on this new uh, public chain. And, and that to me is really marrying finance uh, with technology um, and really revolutionize finance as we know it. So, you know, decided to give it a shot and just, you know, cannot turn back ever since. And Mia, we have Mia Deng as well. Hey everyone, it's uh, awesome to be here. And I'm, I'm Mia, and I'm a partner at Dragonfly. We're a global crypto venture fund uh, with presence in Asia and the States. And Dragonfly invests across the uh, you know sectors in crypto. So we have uh, you know centralized financial infrastructure like companies like Amber, uh, and Open is also a DeFi, um, a big focus area of ours, and uh, you know deep tech and NFTs. So um, and I particularly head up our invest, investments in Asia with a focus in China. Um, and uh, before uh, before Dragonfly, I was a founding member at uh, Amber, joined them when there were six people uh, in Hong Kong and Shenzhen. And that was my foray into Asia's crypto and landscape and really saw how that connects to the broader crypto uh, uh, market. And the founding uh, so the thesis of Dragonfly is that crypto is a market global from day one, and we need to uh, have deep understanding of both East and West. And that's how uh, Dragonfly um, comes in the middle. 
And uh, and then yeah, before crypto, I was uh, actually uh, come from a tech background. I was a product manager at Mobike, which is this bike share unicorn company in uh, in China. And uh, I things that experience taught me how um, for the internet companies, the room left for innovation is actually quite limited. Uh, they actually the the incumbents uh, like the giants kind of controls the user data and. Um, Crypto seems like the perfect way to turn that around. So, great. And finally, Alexis Gava. Hey, I'm Alexis. I'm excited to be here. Um, so, I'm the co-founder of Open. We are building a decentralized options platform on Ethereum. Uh, so, the first for the first time, anyone anywhere can create or trade an option on any ERC twenty. Um, I've just been super excited about crypto and DeFi for. A while now and, and very thrilled to be in this space. Um, kind of before Open, I was studying at UC Berkeley um, and then dropped out of school to do Open. Um, but while I was at Cal, also started She256, which is a 501c3 nonprofit um, focused on diversity in crypto. Um, and that's been absolutely amazing to work on as well. It honestly just started as a conference and seeing the response of the community was incredible. And since then, we've built it into a full nonprofit. Um, and we have a mentorship program that's matched over 900 people from over 40 countries, which has been really cool. Um, we're working on some studies to capture tangible data um, on diversity and inclusion in the space and a lot more initiatives. So very excited to be here and excited about everything that's happening in space right now. Great. So when the organizer for this reached out to me about this panel, I was excited to do it because for years now, I have been in these different chat groups and discussion rooms, Slack rooms for women in crypto. And they have a lot to say on this topic, actually. But surprisingly, if I would try to do a show on it or write an article on it or whatever, people generally wouldn't actually really want to discuss it publicly. So I was curious to know why it is that you all were willing to do so and um, you know, whether or not you thought it was a good thing to discuss it publicly, um, or, you know, I think in the case of a lot of these other women that declined, many of them would rather only talk about their work. Um, so yeah, just what is your perspective on, on that issue? I, mean, I guess I can, can go first here, right? I think a lot of times is, you know, when you're working in an industry that might be perhaps male dominated, you want people to really focus on your work and remove the focus on you being a woman because you want to call attention to it. Um, you want to be treated equally, right? So as such, you really push for, you know, evaluating my work. But, but really, I think a lot of times you do want to talk and speak out about it because there are uh, perhaps um, inequality in, in, in certain industries when it comes to being a woman in the workforce. And we have unique challenges that we want to be able to share and communicate um, with each other. Yeah, no, I, I share the, the same feeling. I think, uh, I guess both of us came from traditional finance space as well, as well. And that was a very white male dominated scene. And when I first joined, I almost felt the need to blend in, you know, to be a bro and not to, so that I could be treated equally. Um, on, on the structuring desk in New York, um, I, there was just me, uh, my, my former MD probably, I never had a woman on his t team before, so he didn't really know even how to deal with me almost. He's like, can I, like, can I just tell you as it is? I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, uh, we're all professional, you know, um, 
people here. And um, so I think that there's a little bit of that. And um, and sometimes I even feel like, oh, maybe we shouldn't. Um, there, are, there are a lot of women in crypto chats. And then um, I feel like there are a lot of issues that we feel strongly about, um, at least when we talk to each other. And and I always just find it so inspiring to get a group of women together and talk about the work we do. And it's just inspiring because there are not that many of us in the space. Um, so, but then there is the fear of us, you know, perhaps making it as a way to call attention to ourselves or to get any unfair advantage. But I, I really don't think it is. Um, I think it's just opening up a platform for us to, to, to chat together and hopefully encouraging more women to, to come um, so we have a community, just as a lot of the men would have their, you know, fraternity uh, organizations of the likes uh, in, in finance. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would just add on to that. Um, I mean, like crypto is an like intersection of tech and finance. So it's two super like, well, uh, like male dominant industry. So you get crypto, which is like even more so. Um, and uh, I think the rationale for me is, quite straightforward. It's like, I think if we are, like, if we have hold a thesis that crypto is going to be adopted by the entire humanity and it's 50, 50, uh, you know, split by men and women. And in the, in the process of designing this tech and, uh, really, uh, getting a mainstream adoption, we need that, uh, representation. Like, and I think right now that representation is heavily, uh, skewed. And I think that we carry that uh, mission to at least to balance it out a little bit. And Alexis, as the founder of She Two Fifty Six, do you have thoughts as well? No, absolutely. I think uh, jumping off of what everyone already said, you know, our goal for crypto is is for it to serve the whole population. And how can we serve the whole population if the people building aren't representative of the people we are to serve? Um, so I think it's incredibly important, and you know, to get more people in the space. And I think it is inspiring to see that other people have done it before, and that there there are like you know, real, real struggles or real difficulties, but everyone is focused on getting through it. Everyone here is like incredible at what they do and focused on their work, but at the same time is also open to having these conversations and bringing people in. And so I think that is really important. And so what would you say are the main issues when it comes to this general topic of women in crypto? You know, obviously one is simply the fact that there are many fewer women in crypto than there are men. It's not uh, anywhere near gender parity. So there's that, but then maybe there are other issues. I don't, you know, what, what do you guys see as kind of the main um, issues or main things that you would want others to know about this topic? Um, I guess I can start. I think the fact that we, there are so few of us um, and we're underrepresented, then gave the outside world the, uh, the impression that oh, this is, you know, a, a space only for, for men because it, it is um, very, it can be very demanding, right? It's a 24-7 market so for anyone who wants to be in this business. Uh, it is physically and mentally demanding, but it doesn't mean that the women should be discouraged to, to join. And I, um, you know, I, I am making a point of hiring more women on my team and even just at Amber in general. Uh, but then a lot of times, uh, even at a candidate level, you don't see a lot of female applicants and I just feel like maybe um, they they feel you know dissuaded uh, from the start and um, there are a few uh, of 
uh, people uh, of women at uh, Deutsche or Nomura or even just at Carnegie Mellon reach out to me saying that, oh, you know, it's just so great to, to, to hear your voice even in these platforms and making me feel like I can also be part of it. And, and I want all of us uh, to be able to, to tell them that uh, maybe it's not easy, just as it's not easy to, uh, to do anything well, uh, but then being a woman's certainly not a disadvantage. Uh, if, if not an advantage in itself, because I think um, crypto should be very inclusive and um, and then it really should represent um, a more diverse background when companies building products or, or building infrastructures or anything in, in the space. Um, we need uh, to hear both sides of the of the story. Yeah, and another thing um, is crypto also, uh, most crypto businesses today, maybe the exception of a few, are still startups, right? And I think a lot of the decision you have as a person to join a startup company is, you know, they don't have a huge HR department that has well-trouted processes when it comes to like dealing with issues. For seeing on a traditional bank, these are all done and, you know, you could go in knowing how your insurance would be like and all of these custom uh, benefits that you get, right? And you don't have to go through this battle again versus when you're in a startup, you have to not only do your job, but then you know, knowing the fact that there might be potential of discrimination, what do you do? Like, so I think a lot of times these women think about these problems in their head a lot, right? Where they're like, you know, how do I want to manage my risk, my, my career? And what's the most optimal way for me to succeed? And they evaluate the risks associated being joining a new industry that is predominantly dominated by a group of people. And, um, and again, these are startups, right? So there's all these risks compound together. I feel like the, the problem might not be as apparent. And if you would break it down into different layers of the industry that we operate in, um, the result is, you know, they're just less women in our industry working. Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes pretty broad. Like, it, you know, like Mia mentioned earlier, like crypto is the intersection of tech and finance and societally on a larger scale beyond just crypto women are often dissuaded from going into tech or finance or don't learn about it as, you know, at a young age, just anecdotally, like so many of my male friends like started investing or getting into the stock market and stuff like that way before my female friends ever did and had completely different risk tolerances um, and, and different, you know, conceptions towards it. And, you know, not to say that women can't, women can, like all these people are doing incredible, all my you know friends are investing now doing incredible things just like at a young age, it, their teachers, their parents, their friends weren't telling them, hey, like you should check out the stock market. Like you should learn how to do this the way their ma male peers were getting that kind of encouragement. Um, and so it's kind of a broader like socialized thing at a younger age where it's like, okay, like crypto is the intersection of these two things. How do we say you're, you're welcome here and we're going to teach you. Like you don't, like you, you can come in here and you can ask questions and we're going to help you answer them. Like, I didn't know what an order book was until I, I started looking into crypto. I didn't know any of this stuff. And so definitely was, was learning it on the fly. And Mia, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I, I think there's a, um, really a lack of, um, like where I would love to see change. Uh, I think like she's 250 is doing great things about, uh, bringing, uh, women together. And I think really, um, when you find role models, you want to find those uh, who you can relate with. And um, and I think right now is very little visibility of uh, these role models or, you know, or just people who can, you can reach out who are already in the industry. And I think that's why having a very clear theme of 
uh, you know, a panel like this or a sheet 56 is really giving like that kind of, you know, beacon or, you know, uh, basically for people to, uh, you know, for more women to like reach out to. So since we did mention Sheaf 256 a few times, Alexis, I did want to ask you, um, what did you feel were your big takeaways from, from that initiative about either, you know, what the main obstacles are to bringing more diversity to crypto or, um, you know, what you think maybe are the best ways to overcome those obstacles? Absolutely. I think that's a great question. I think one insight that I'll point to that's pretty interesting. We, we ran a beta of our job board last year. Um, and the majority of the postings on the job board were for the senior level positions. But a lot of the folks who were coming in from our community were either more junior or didn't have experience in crypto. And it was hard to find a match of companies that were willing to like put in the investment to train up people to get them to, you know, whatever level versus looking for like senior talent out of the gate. And the definition of senior might be missing different perspectives or missing different things that these people bring to the table that might not be in that job description. So what we've done for, you know, that job board beta and then now the job board that's going to be launching this year is put together a set of guidelines that companies can look to to help them improve their practices and help them up with their job descriptions to bring more people in the door and see how how you know those people can add specific value to their company. And so that's one anecdote that I'll point out that um, you know happened recently that I thought was was interesting. And, um, and in terms of how people can get involved, I think one really cool thing about the emergence of like DeFi and governance is that it's really made this playing field very accessible. Like you can go in with like an anonymous identity, ask your questions, like no one even has to know who you are. You can, um, you can join groups like G256 where you can connect with other people. Um, you can start making pull requests, asking questions, you know, contributing on forums and people are usually very willing to answer questions, which is something that I really appreciate about this space. Um, but I think it's always incredibly helpful to have those like-minded communities and places where you feel comfortable asking questions, you know, even with your own identity without having to go make an anonymous account to feel comfortable. And so I just, uh, you know, we did discuss how a lot of um, other industries that relate to crypto also are known for being more male dominated. And Annabelle and Amy, since you both have that background in traditional finance, I was curious to hear your take on, you know, how the two compare in terms of what it's like to be a woman in either of these industries, traditional finance or crypto. Is it different or is it the same or, you know, how are you finding it? Um, Maybe I can start. I think it's actually different in a way. I think, you know, we were from like a bulge bracket bank. Um, and you from that kind of industry where in the last 20, 30 years have went through a massive shift in culture, right? You know, if I was a trader on Wall Street 30 years ago, I think my experience would perhaps be very different than I do now. Uh, because a lot of the issues I think you do get to see have been resolved more so, right? You know, within traditional finance, there's a lot of these women's group and, there's a lot of support in the organization in terms of mentorship and, you know, uh, uh, because there are larger organizations as well. But, you know, as, as me joining um, the trading floor at Deutsche, yes, I know I noticed visibly that I was one of the few women who were there. Um, but it wasn't as though I felt like I'm on an island by myself and I try to figure out everything on my own. There's a lot of resources being there to help you. 
I think when it comes to crypto, partially because it's new, partially because these, again, are startups, um, coming in, you know, it, it, it didn't get the same kind of resources, right? You had to figure a lot of it on your own. You have to talk to your managers and speak with HR and figure it out, like, you know, what does I need to do, right? And, and this is, a, 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 you know, um, so I think that's difference number one um, between like traditional in, into the world we operate in. Um, and, and I think part two probably is also different. Again, crypto is also very tech driven, right? So I think with trading, um, it's mostly, you know, there's capital markets and I think tech culture, maybe Mia can speak to a little bit more, but like it's also a unique tech culture that we also have to operate in within um, as well. And, and I speak to a lot of times, you know, the product managers who are women within, you know, crypto and they deal more similarly to what they used to deal with in the tech industry, right? Which is, you know, how do I make sure my voice is heard? How do I get my male peers to respect me? It's, it's actually like very interesting because the industry that we operate in and there's both sides of the coin where I think come from like a trading seat, you feel like, oh, I need to hang with the traders and be more bro-y and be with that perspective, right? Versus I think if you look at it from a tech perspective, then it's actually very different from a culture um, elements as well. Yeah, I I would um, echo what Amy just said. I think um, that's also because we were in, um, I guess I was in New York uh, at Deutsche versus Amy was in Hong Kong. So maybe there's mm. also slightly that that um, cultural differences too. Because and, and in New York, it is very, I would say, very mm-hmm. politically correct when it comes to a lot of the things gender related. Um, so there are even like, um, they would make a point to, to give you a lot of the support groups and there are a lot of like women's association um, that you can join. So you definitely feel like, okay, this is a topic that people talk about. Um, and um, obviously with the, the whole Me Too movement, you know, there's different backdrops, but then it, it is the gender topic, a gender issue is very top of mind for a lot of people in the U.S. But versus in Asia, um, I guess culturally it's different. Uh, inequality level is perhaps different between genders um, in Asia more so. I, 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 at least that's how I feel. Um, so I think that there's also that aspect of it. And um, in crypto, for sure, I think um, because most of us are in startups, uh, I remember first joiners, there's uh, like there, there is the physical checkups a benefit for everyone. Um, there are so few women. I don't think OBGYN was even included. Uh, they didn't even you know, cross your mind um, that so it's, a, it's funny, but then it's also serious, right? That um, I think that just means for, for us who are early um, in, in the space, for us, we have to do more work together, hopefully, and, and to build a better um, baseline for a lot of women that come after. And wait, so earlier when you were saying that you felt like the gender issues in the U.S. are different from than in Asia, how so? I, it wasn't clear to me which direction. I think it's just more t- uh, talked about in the mm-hmm. U.S. that people understand that there is gender inequality. They, they accept it, they acknowledge it. And then people are, are doing things or at least trying uh, harder, I feel, to, um, to address that. Versus in Asia, there's just more inherent um, gender inequality. Um, that's more rooted in, in, in a culture perhaps yeah mm-hmm. um and it's more accepted people don't talk about it people kind of expect it like if you're a woman um like here in asia when i try to do business people are saying you know who are you an assistant or you know and that's their default assumption and and it's hard to climb out of that you have to go further 
you have to work much harder to prove that no, right? I have a seat at table and perhaps deserve more so than you do. So, you know, that's just some extra hurdles that, that we have to, uh, to, to overcome. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's definitely not good if people just assume that because you're a woman, you're an assistant. That's actually really no, good. I, yeah. I, I've had that encounter as well. It's like, <laughs> um, also it's when you, when I think the, the goal here is not talking about Asia versus UI or whatnot, but right. But I think, um, also it's a lot of like social pressure too. It's not just like business pressure. It's like people will look at you and be like, Oh, you know, you're getting old enough. Like, you have a husband, do you, are you getting married? And there's all these expectations of you in Asia, specifically more so probably in the US. Um, and that adds into your overall decision-making, right? Like we talk about why are we having these conversations? Um, and it, a lot of it's also social pressure. Um, and you have friends, families, influences that has a, maybe a more traditional way of looking at things. And yes, of course, you know, we, we all can fight against it and perhaps find our own identity um, but the current is going against you, right? So you're constantly swim upwards and, and it's tough. I think that's probably why at the end of the day, you combine many different things, including the, the difficulties to face professionally and then the difficulty to face, you know, culturally, the influence you have to deal with from your friends and families. Um, and, and that's why we're having these conversations today, right? About, you know, why is it more harder and how can we do, what can we do to address these things? I have noticed that um, and, and this is now just almost getting into cultural yeah. differences, which is not the exact topic, but I have noticed sometimes if I deal with foreigners from Asia, they will ask me questions that are like quite directed about, you know, some of, some of these, uh, things that are quite specific to women. So, um, yeah, somehow just being a woman makes them want to be mm-hmm. nosy about those things. Um, but anyway, so, um, one thing I did want to ask though is, you know, we've kind of been talking in the abstract about what it's like to be a woman in a male dominated industry, but do any of you feel that, um, it's been a hindrance or that you've experienced any discrimination or, um, is it just something that is more subtle or, you know, what, what has your just experience been of being a woman in crypto when most of the people that you work with are men? Maybe I'll start, I have a really good example in this. Um, I have a friend of mine who recently came up to me and saw in the industry and then said, Hey, um, I just started a new job and then, you know, I'm pregnant. I was like, wow, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. I'm super excited. Oh my God. Like all of these things. And, um, she was like, I'm worried about telling my manager. Cause you know, I, I was like sh- shocked, right? I've never considered this in my life. And I was like, well, you should not feel bad and you should not feel sorry. Like, and that's something that really kind of hit me first time in, in, in a while where I was like, oh, like you do have to think about these things differently. And maybe because I'm not in the stage in the life where I am thinking about that. But, you know, that was something that um, as, as an example. Right. But maybe this is not specific to crypto. Maybe it's just in general women in the workforce. Um, but but that's an example where, you know, I think a lot of time women have to think about these things being like, oh, what's my timeline look like? I'm out of commission. What does that mean? You know? Yeah, I think uh, just to add on that, um, I think the. Um, there's this like expectation of you for, uh, okay, you're a woman, then you must be good at like dealing with people or like you must have really good soft skills and you add a different touch to the team that you're like a good additional thing to have. And so like sometimes the, uh, the, the sort of the way that 
the, the emphasis of your skill sets uh, that they see is like, because you're women, you're better, you know, you're more empathetic and et cetera. But it, while that is all true, but then that could be, you know, sometimes the focus of, um, you know, what they expect out of you. So, um, so I think that's, that's a, that kind of creates this like reinforcement uh, loop that, yeah. uh, you know, psychologically could uh, be difficult to break out of. With over 10 million users, Crypto.com is the easiest place to buy and sell over 90 cryptocurrencies. Download the Crypto.com app now and get $25 with the code LAURA. If you're a hodler, Crypto.com Earn pays industry-leading interest rates on over 30 coins, including Bitcoin, at up to 8.5% interest and up to 14% interest on your stable coins. When it's time to spend your crypto, nothing beats the Crypto.com Visa card, which pays you up to 8% back instantly and gives you 100% rebate for your Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon Prime subscriptions. There is no annual or monthly fees to worry about. Download the Crypto.com app and get $25 when using the code LAURA, L-A-U-R-A. The link is in the description. Today's episode is sponsored by EY Blockchain. Ernst & Young is committed to supporting integration of the world's business ecosystems on the public Ethereum blockchain. Join our fifth annual Blockchain Summit and Education Series on May 18th to 21st for a deep dive into zero-knowledge privacy technologies, accounting, and tax rules, as well as the future of finance. Sign up and learn more at ey.com slash global blockchain summit or blockchain.ey.com. Kyber's dynamic market maker, DMM, is a game changer in DeFi, being the first protocol designed to react to market conditions to optimize fees while providing extremely high capital efficiency for liquidity providers. Fees are adjusted dynamically based on market conditions to maximize returns and reduce the impact of impermanent loss. Liquidity providers can customize the pricing curve to create amplified pools that greatly improve capital efficiency and reduce trade slippage. Depositing tokens to earn fees is also fast and simple, with this liquidity easily accessible by dApps, aggregators, or other users. Visit dmm.exchange now. So we've been discussing women working in crypto, um, and yet there's also plenty of other ways to get involved in the industry. And the Wall Street Journal recently reported about more women um, taking up crypto as kind of like a trading hobby. And they reported that one in four customers who traded crypto so far in 2021 on the Robinhood app are um, women. And um, they also, however, they did say that fewer women trade crypto on Robinhood than trade stocks and mm -hmm. ETFs. And then um, they also noted the statistic that over the last couple of years, eToro said that the number of female crypto traders in the US on its platform has increased by half to about 20% of all users in the US. And, um, you know, the, these, frankly, in a way, actually are better numbers than I've seen in the past. So that is heartening. Um, and yet, obviously, given that women are 51% uh, of the population, um, it's you know, nowhere near uh, their numbers in the general population. So um, what do you, you know, what do you think is the cause for the increase in the number of women? Um, and yet also, what do you think we can do to get more women interested in crypto? Um, I think I'll start. I, I think there are more 
women in the space perhaps or more people in general because the infrastructure has become more mature and there are more regulated venues where we can trade and where people feel safe and secure about their assets, about what they're trading. And crypto has become a lot more mainstream than last cycle four years ago. So I think that that's just a general trend. And perhaps, um, and again, not trying to stereotype here, but uh, perhaps women would be slightly more risk averse than a lot of the, the men who might just want to, um, uh, who are perhaps more inclined to, to trade riskier things on um, and in new platforms. But now because there are a lot of um, these better known names in this space, I think, you know, Robinhood or even Coinbase uh, that just went public. I think they gave uh, people in general a lot of faith in this industry. And I think more women are perhaps uh, drawn into the industry and feel like it is, you know, safe and, and okay for them to start trading. And I think um, amongst the, the younger generation, the, the Gen Zs and, uh, or even, you know, whoever comes after, I think for them, maybe it's it's just really embracing uh, a new form of asset class uh, in truly digital form, just as a lot of the things they're used to in their life now, uh, you know, living, talking to friends on Zoom and, and um, doing payments in digital formats. So I think perhaps for them, uh, as a generation, it, it's just more accepting. And then no matter for, for men or women, they, they are willing to try this out um, with uh, so we also launched a retail-facing app last year. Um, so within six months, we've gotten uh, significant traction. And just looking at the data, it is quite interesting. Uh, I think for us on our platform, a third of the users are are female. And the majority, uh, the age group, um, the majority of the age group is within, you know, 30 years old or, or younger. Um, so I think that perhaps played into to the thesis. Interesting. And is your app um, focused on the Asian market? You know, it is. It can be accessed globally. Uh, it just we started with very simple functions where people can buy and sell Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, the major tokens, and then can earn yields on it. Um, so, and then people in in Asia, in North America, in Europe can access it. But are the majority uh, like? I just I'm curious because I was going to ask if you feel that there's a difference in um, the gender imbalance in Asia when it comes to just general interest in crypto versus in the West. Uh, I'm not sure about gender, um, but I, I feel like if anything, perhaps the level of participation in Asia is uh, more so than than the West. Like you look at uh, Japan, Korea, um, a lot of the, the Asian countries the crypto adoption level is much higher. I think in Korea, people traded more crypto in volume than in Korean stock market. So yeah, yeah like I think more than, a, more than a third of the population, the entire Korean population holds crypto. Um, that's just something that we've had <laughs> very different from the US. Yeah, okay. But you, you're not sure if that extends to a greater percentage of women in Asia being interested in crypto than in the US? Or, or is any, yeah, does that, anybody that know that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. And, and nobody else is, is aware of, of what that number might be? No? Okay. Because, yeah, because that would be kind of interesting to look at. But Yeah, for sure. I'm going to take a look later. Let's see. Okay. At least on our platform. 
And so for you, just with your friends, um, cause I personally have tried to do this with my friends and I will just tell you that equally between the male and female <laughs> friends, the lack yeah. of interest in crypto is like the same. <laughs> um, I, I will say my, my best friend who's a woman read my, a, a draft of my book and then she actually yeah. did become interested in crypto. So, um, you know, uh, so I, I kind of got one convert, but yeah, no, um, it, a funny story I have about this is that I, uh, was hanging out with a male friend and I, um, this was during the whole sushi yeah. swap, Uniswap saga. And I tried to tell him the story, which to me was like the most exciting thing that like had yeah. happened in the last, you know, few weeks or whatever. And trying to explain it with all the drama and he kind of like, laughed a fake laugh and then changed the subject. <laughs> so um, clearly I didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so for you, when you're talking to your non-crypto friends, whether it's men or women, but you know, we're mostly talking about women. So I was just curious, do you find that there are any certain explanations or pitches or descriptions that work better with your female friends to get them excited or interested or do you find that there are maybe certain themes or topics that they gravitate more toward like decentralization or a new financial system or control over your data or, you know, something else? Um, you know, how, what have you found to be an effective way to get women interested? Yeah, I can jump in here. Yeah. What I found most effective is to literally just send them some crypto. Um, and just have them try stuff out. And it's been so interesting. I did this with my little sister who was 11 years old at the time. I sent her some ETH. This was like a couple of years ago. And she went, she traded that ETH for DAI on Uniswap. And then after that, she got the Uni airdrop. And she was like, now this 11 year old with like the Uni airdrop, she's like, can buy all the candy in the world. And so then she's going and telling all her friends like, oh my God, I traded on this decentralized exchange and I got like this token for it. And now all her friends are like downloading MetaMask. And so just the act of like sending someone a little <laughs> bit of crypto and then feeling the magic themselves and then encouraging their friends and their circles is what has absolutely worked best for me. Mm. Wow. I love that story. <laughs> I have a lot of our friends. Um, a lot of them are actually uh, girls. And I think recently with NFTs, uh, that's the major thing that they're like, okay, no, I don't know, Mia, what do you do all day? What's this crypto thing? I don't care. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, suddenly there's a new medium of creation, uh, of creating new form of art. And it's like, super, uh, like, they're like, wow, like, tell me how I can make art out of this. And, you know, all of them are like, VR artists, AR artists, and, uh, and it's, it's super cool to see that. And um, actually, recently, we launched a, a new NFT platform called the TR Lab. And uh, also with uh, some of the really awesome, like, um, female, uh, collectors. Uh, so we have Cindy Cohen from, uh, she was the, uh, she's the deputy chairwoman of Christie's. Um, and also, uh, Wendy Murdoch, uh, from Artsy, uh, and, you know, Shanghai Bakken Museum and, uh, Shanghai, like, uh, Arts 021, which, um, yeah, I'm also very excited to, uh, you know, create with, uh, with these ladies. Mm. And also, I think for, it also depends on age group, right? I think, um, a lot of my friends in my media circles are getting to this point in their career where they're making like a lot of meaningfully more so than what they were when they were like much, much younger, right? And they're thinking like, you know, how do I manage my wealth? Like, what do I put my money in? So the conversation has changed. I think a lot of it about, you know, what we 
back then it's like, how do I pay my student loan? And what do I do about taxes? Right now it's more about like, okay, well, I have more disposable income. How can I invest? And, and like, what are the ways I can take control over my finances? And that's, I think, I think a lot of my female friends are, are taking more an active role in this because they know like financial independence is super important for them. And, um, and they're more interested in learning about, you know, Amy, what is thing, what is Bitcoin thing that, you know, you talk about all day long, right? And they're like, what does that mean? So they're more interested from that perspective. But I think in terms of the medium of like distribution, I definitely like notice that, you know, if, if you're sending crypto to your friends, it's the easiest way. If you can, they can download a mobile app on a wall on their phone, like they don't have to go through the tedious process of onboarding perhaps. And, you know, they, they are much more interested very early. Um, and then you explain, you know, the risk and the processes and, and things like that. So I feel like for those that's worked out well from just like a fundamental investment perspective, um, for some of my male friends are more interesting, more like financial instrument. They're, they're interested in the instrument elements of this asset class rather than just like the underlying, right? So it's like, how do I trade options? And how do I do the same thing I used to connect to the interactive brokers, right? Like they're thinking more of like trading this. Versus my female friends are thinking more of as a form of like, how do I earn yield and how do I, you know, invest in underlying stuff in, in general. So I think there's a bit of a difference in, in, in approach as well. Uh, maybe perhaps just most of my guy friends are, are in finance. So they understand this more. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's something I noticed across my like two friend groups. Yeah. And for, for me, it's similar. Um, most of my finance friends, no matter male or female, they are looking into it as perhaps um, you know, how, how do I, is it worth it for me to allocate a little bit uh, within my portfolio? What is that going to look like? And um, they understand the risk reward profile uh, of this new asset class and they're very um, open to it. And, um, and then also have some friends in, in, in art or entertainment uh, and yeah, the draw for, that for them is, is NFTs. And a lot of them are asking me, Oh, how, how do I issue one for the work that I'm doing? Or you know, have a group of artists or um, YouTube stars wanted to, to, to launch something their own and how do I get started? So I think it really depends on what they do and how blockchain in general relates to their actual interests. If it, their interest is in art and, and fashion and um, content in general or in, in more finance-driven fields, uh, I do think blockchain there's so many different applications that live on it. So I'm sure there is um, something for everyone. And um, for me, I, I haven't seen that's particularly to, to men or to women. I think as long as they find something that's so relevant to what they love doing and then they just want to jump into it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm finding the same that now with the mm-hmm. NFT thing, this is the first time I can get my real friends involved because most <laughs> of them are mm-hmm. creators of some sort. And and they're, you know, they're kind of interested and they're like, oh, it's this. So, um, so, you know, we've talked about, uh, your personal experiences and we've talked about kind of general people taking this up as a hobby. Um, but one other thing I want to talk about was, you know, Alexis, you're a co-founder of Open and, you know, as somebody who is often looking for different people to interview, I have noticed that, you know, there just really aren't that many co-founders in this space who are women. And I think it's um, a kind of even a smaller percentage uh, than there are women in the space in general. And so this question isn't just for you, Alexis, but you know, it's for anybody to discuss. But why do you guys think that even when it comes to co-founders, that it's an even smaller percentage who are women than of you know just women in general in crypto? And you know, I think for me, what 
I find a little bit confusing about that is also just the fact that crypto right now is this kind of total, um, you know, open space where things are being built fresh. And so it's not like there's super established things, you know, people can go out and kind of create new stuff. So, um, you know, what's your theory about that? And what do you also think are maybe some of the best ways to encourage more women to found new projects? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, I feel like it's a kind of a general thing across startups. Um, it is definitely like a riskier thing to do. Like even when I was dropping out of school and deciding to do this, there was definitely like a whole thought process that went through my head about like, you know, like what's the worst that can happen? And when this, I was like, oh, what the, the worst that can happen isn't that bad. Like I go back to school, then it felt like a lot better and like something I could do. But definitely getting over that risk hump was something for me. Um, and I totally agree. Like crypto is this minefield right now in this vast open space. And I think the more we can encourage people to take risks and be like, hey, society's not going to punish you for taking that risk. You're going to learn something. It's going to be a ton of fun. There are people going to be on that journey with you. The more we can spread that narrative um, as opposed to like, oh, it's this like big whole thing. Like, no, you're starting something fun with your friends. You're going to have a good time. Um, I think maybe maybe that could help like peel away the layers of it being intimidating or super risky and try to make it more accessible. And then, you know, the other thing, frankly, is like people just being able to like have the funding to do that. Like um, my co-founder Aparna got the Teal Fellowship. We got a grant from MakerDAO. So we were in a position where we were able to like do these things, which was really great. Um, and so, you know, right now, a lot of these protocols have larger treasuries and they are using them to give out grants, which is really great. And so it's an opportunity for them to enable more people to take that jump and, you know, take that risk. And I think a lot of times we look at things as the buy, but we look at things as like the results, right? The result is we're seeing less women as co-founders in crypto as men. But if you ask yourself, like, why that happens, it actually goes way before that, which is, I want to start a business. I need co-founders. So where can I select co-founders from who's got experiences in this industry, which is less to begin with, right? So, you know, I'm a female. I want to select other co-founders. If I select one co-founder that's male, then that's 50-50. If I select two co-founders, then one-third, right? So there's, like, that byproduct of starting a business. And then the question is, okay, well, if there's less people in the industry, it all goes down to like, how can we get more women in the industry to work? Therefore, building a talent pool of co-founders potentially to partner with, right? And then like, you know, how we can then grow and see that like result change. Um, because yeah, like, you know, you're starting a new business. You want it to be successful and you're not really thinking about like, maybe I want to have an all female strong team that can go and have like all female co-founders, right? You're thinking like, how can I make sure that I bridge you know, the skills that I don't have to have a successful business. And you look at the selection pool and it's a reflection of the industry. So I feel like that could also be um, one of the observations that you see. And this goes to kind of most of the topic we're talking about today, right? It, it, it is, you look at the results and it's a reflection of, it's, it's tougher. So you have to be more proactive to, to try harder um, to meet it corrected. Yeah, well, so speaking of that, there um, were a couple of different comments earlier made about hiring. And, um, you know, a few people made the observation that there aren't as many candidates or um, maybe that sometimes uh, when there are female candidates that maybe they're more junior. Although actually, Alexis, when you said that, I wondered if it's that does she 256 kind of have just a younger 
membership than like another type of organization? Yeah. We definitely do have a younger membership. Like I imagine if it's folks coming from traditional finance that have a lot of financial experience, we're looking at a completely different ballgame. But yeah, she to 56 in particular does have like a younger audience. Okay. Yeah. Well, but you know, regardless, just um, when it comes to hiring, what do you guys think would be some good practices to help bring more women in or to have more, um, you know, strong female candidates for uh, any position that you might be hiring for? So I've thought about this a little bit more um, before. I think as a hiring manager, um, you have to be more patient and, and really understand that maybe the candidate on paper in front of you may not have been exposed to the same opportunities as their peers, right? So therefore, if you look at things like tenure, how long they've worked in certain industry, what job title they had previously, or like what experience they've been given. Um, like on paper, it might seem like, oh, this candidate is better, right? Um, but really, you, you, I, th- I, I try to personally to look at like what specific contribution they've made in their specific time that they were there. Um, and like, you know, try to just speak to them. Like, I, I think, you know, if I interview a female, can I ask them a lot more questions, right? I'm like, oh, tell me about your experience at that time. Like, delve a little bit deeper instead of just judging a resume so blankly, because maybe again, like resume is just combinations of experience they had previously. And if we already know that the industry have issues around like getting more women, or maybe they may not have the same experiences as other candidates for whatever reason, then, um, I try to find out more characteristics about them rather than just looking and judging them on a piece of paper. So I think that's, um, which means, you know, me, I have to commit more time in, in, in doing that. And I think, um, I'm willing to, right? So that's one thing I found, um, to be helpful. Uh, and another thing, obviously, is just, um, doing more things like this, right? Speaking out more and, and getting, you know, more people out there and talk about this topic more. So people feel comfortable that, Hey, listen, you know, Amy is someone who's pro this topic and then she's very adamant about it. And then maybe they want to apply for fireblocks. I don't know. Right. <laughs> but anything I can do to help. You know, um, I mean, yeah. I've spoken to Amy on this subject before, I guess, multiple times uh, as we're, you know, just chatting about our struggles and hiring in general. And, um, and for me, it is, I think a lot of female candidates, they, they feel better, um, more assured when they see more women on the team or even like a female leader, um, of the team. I think that gives them some confidence, uh, I suppose. And so I think that start with having a more diverse team to begin with, right? If you have an all-male team and, and an all-male company, then you're saying, hey, we care about women's issue a lot, then, then that kind of uh, would seem a bit strange. But if you already have a very balanced and diverse team, um, then they will feel more more inclined to, to join in the first place. And then also just, um, I think it, it, it it is on us to, to, to really be their mentor um, and then making a point to, to tell them that, that, you know, you will have the support and the mentorship you're looking for, because I think this is, and it should be important for everyone, not just for female candidates or for, for, for the women in the space of, for everyone who's looking to continuously learn and grow. Um, so just, just making a point that, that we tell everyone that. Um, so I think that's at least how I feel while trying to build a team um, and a very global team as well. And my team is in Korea and Japan and in Hong Kong, maybe in Europe and, and North America soon. And just how do you balance um, also the cultural differences and then and the different gender um, all in one together. So I think that's just, um, it's, it's challenging, but it's something that I, I love to work on to make sure that we have the right team, right talent and, and, 
that should be both men and women. You shouldn't be discriminating against any, anyone. And any other thoughts on how to um, hire and maybe draw in more female candidates from other industries? Because I, mm-hmm. I will have to say, I there are certain companies that I feel in crypto are quite good at this, but mm-hmm. frankly, they're also the extremely, extremely well-funded um, companies. And so I think they have the time to kind of like look at a lot of different resumes of people in adjacent industries and bring them in. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I was just curious if there are any other thoughts you had on, because I do feel like, you know, as we mentioned earlier, since crypto is a totally new space, that there's probably tons of women in adjacent industries who have Mm. skills that are transferable, who would be amazing hires, but it's probably, you know, going to be on the employers to seek them out. So any tips on, you know, finding them or yeah. And, and persuading them to, to jump into this new area. Yeah. I think the, um, the crypto culture looking from the outside could seem like, Oh, this is just like nerdy, like me, me, like, you know, on Twitter. And, uh, it could seem like a little bit like not what, uh, most women found, uh, you know, really relatable with. So again, I think it goes back to my point earlier is about increasing visibility and also uh, telling the narrative of crypto in a, in a most like uh, concise and friendly way. And I think for that, I think, um, you know, I think platforms like She56 is awesome. And um, actually recently, I'm also thinking of putting together a class uh, on crypto and uh, also wanting to bring in uh, like female guest speakers and uh, yeah, basically telling the narrative crypto in uh, by by all women and uh, you know in a in a simple and concise uh, way, and so hopefully that would attract more uh, talent to uh, to participate in this industry. All right. So since I imagine a number of people who are listening to this show are people, well, or this panel are people who are either um, interested in working in the industry or. All, are already working in it. And so what is your advice for women in the crypto industry to find their footing and make their way up? This is a really good question. And we've been thinking about it a lot at Sheet to 56. I'm definitely going to just plug Sheet to 56.org because it's got a ton of resources for this exact thing. Mm. Um, There's a Discord community where you can ask lots of questions. There's the job board where you can find tangible jobs there's a beginner's guide, which goes through like step-by-step really good resources to start with. Um, and so I would say, you know, start with the beginner's guide, hop into the Discord, ask lots and lots of questions, and then jump in, choose your favorite protocol and do something to help contribute. You know, that could be as small as commenting on a governance proposal, which is actually a pretty big deal because those proposals are what make all the decisions for the protocol um, or just using it and giving feedback. Protocols love getting that kind of feedback. Um, and that helps you learn and start to like find your footing, find what you're passionate about. Yeah, I'm always happy to be a resource. Uh, so if anyone's on a show, um, you know, feel free to you know DM me on Twitter or uh, send me an email. Always happy here to chat. And uh, and yeah, and then the the, the class I, I was talking about earlier, I think uh, uh, you know I think I'll it's it's a bull market, it's busy times, but uh, I think it's worthwhile making the time to. Uh, to put out good content for people to uh, digest because we're really, um, you know, 
crypto goes cyclical, right? And every cycle, there it's a good time to attract new talent in. And if we are able to widen that funnel and make that on-ramp easier for people to either just, you know, uh, buy crypto or just part- or participate in the industry, like that would be a great, it would set up a great uh, grounding for the next generation and the next wave. Um, and I think, uh, you know, looking across, I, I think the, um, it's already, we're already seeing improvements like, you know, all of you guys and, uh, you know, back in, then, back in 2017, like, you know, we, we're like just getting started. And so look, it's been only what, two or three years. And uh, I think we're making really great progress. So yeah. I'm very optimistic. I think we spent a lot of time today talking about the difficulties, right? But I think the biggest, best thing to do is talk about the good things of, of why we all do this in the first place, right? Like it's, you know, most crypto industries is 24 seven, sure. But also you have flexible working hours, right? You, um, you know, you, have, you meet great people who, who are, you know, risk takers and, and really are like the best in their field and come out and have interesting ideas. Like your job will not bore you. It is, you know, the fundamental thing I'm trying to tell people all the time, right? It's like, it's an exciting industry that is growing. You're on the forefront of like innovation technology and you're disrupting all these great things. Yes, of course, it'll be challenging, right? And, and, and there's things we can do to help. But fundamentally, I think if the message I hope everyone could receive is, you know, the risk is worth it, right? In the end of the day, you go home, you go to sleep by night, you feel like I feel proud about the work I do. I'm happy with, with what I'm contributing. I'm great friends. And this is the thing about crypto that is so different than traditional markets. Like my clients, my competitors, my peers are like my actual friends. We just fundamentally understand each other on the same level. Versus, you know, in traditional markets, like, you know, I would never go hang out with my competitors the same way I do now. Right. <laughs> um, so I think that's really great. And, and it's, you know, and, and, and that's probably the most exciting thing also about what we do. Um, so, you know, if there's, you know, there's resources out there to support, um, you, but, you know, fundamentally, I think, um, if there's one thing to, to focus on, it's just, um, no matter the risk in the end of the day, if you, you take the plunge, you start, people will help you. And uh, it's always easier than you think to get through this. So, Yeah, no, exactly. Very well said, Amy. And I think um, for anyone to succeed in this field is somebody who really believes in it. And I think for people who, who actually enjoy it, right, it is, um, it could be challenging, it could be demanding, but we're all in it. And, you know, I wake up every day loving the space because there's so many things happening, so many new things. You never, I always say there's never a dull day in crypto. Things will happen and there's so much innovation coming out of the space. And I am in a, in a field with the brightest minds um, and I just mm. feel so lucky. Um, and and I, I hope more people will feel that way. And and, um, and for the women who, out there who are thinking about this, like Amy said, right, um, it's perhaps not as risky, risky or crazy yeah. as you think it is. Um, and we're all here to be your resources. And I, you know, I hope we do more of this to get a much bigger community uh, and to just make a stance to say that we are here. We're your resource for anyone else who, who wants to join us. Um, I think that's an important message. By the end of the day, um, really, just if you aren't just in the space, then, then you should give it a shot. I mean, the worst case is not so bad. Great. Yeah. And earlier when Amy said, you will not be bored, I second that. You will not <laughs> no. be bored. <laughs> it's definitely my favorite thing about crypto. Um, that's why I can't imagine covering anything else yeah. ever again, because I just, 
um, enthralled pretty much every day and I love it. So our video cut out right as I was about to wrap up. So I just want to thank the panelists again for discussing a topic that many others are not willing to discuss publicly and also for their great ideas and getting more women interested in crypto and bringing them into the industry. To learn more about Amy and Fireblocks, Annabelle and Amber Group, Mia and Dragonfly, Alexis and Open, check out the show notes for this episode. Unchained is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Anthony Yoon, Daniel Ness, and Mark Murdoch. Thanks for listening. 